Session podcast with Carl Bethke. How's everybody doing today? Great, I can hear you out there. It's awesome. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about uh, when to shoot does, why, why not, times of year. Uh, I guess I'll start this off, Carl. Yeah. Right there. yeah, go ahead. Um, obviously, doe, doe management is, is huge in your properties. Oh yeah. Uh, no matter how big that chunk of property is, uh, we are both big advocates of trying to get numbers, um, which we do a lot with our cameras, uh, scouting, filming, um, especially cameras in, in particular, because you can see, you know, you see your times, uh, see certain number of does here, certain number of does there, right? Um, to really get the feel of what you got on your property, keep that uh, buck doe ratio right. Otherwise, you're a rut. That everybody wants to hunt yeah it's gonna suck it's definitely gonna suck it's gonna suck so um, yeah uh, you know I mean I, I like to shoot those oh yeah if, if you need to obviously right sometimes you don't need to well on your property right now on both of our properties I think we're trying to kind of build her a little bit for sure so we didn't shoot very many though I shot one off our property mm -hmm. and you didn't take I did any. not shoot any this year no right and you know, if you look at our cameras, obviously you're going to see there's does on the cameras. At times at my place, there was what eight antlerless deer in a picture. Yeah, but they weren't all does. There was nubbins, right? right? And uh, a part of that is knowing which doe is which too. So you got to pay close attention. That's sure. where the camera stuff comes into For play. For sure. But also your neighbors. Right. You got to know what your neighbors are doing. Yeah, and that's that's hard to figure out yeah. sometimes. If your neighbors are all shooting every doe that walks by. You might not want to be shooting them. Right. Um, you know, this year, like I said, I only took one doe on my property. Um, for me, it was a little bit different. I spoke with one neighbor to the west, and he tells me, you know, we've got three does and yeah. like no fawns in the entire valley. And no bucks. And no bucks. If there's a buck, it's because. He put it in a cornfield, and that's why the bucks are there, so I need to thank him. But I think, I think we proved that wrong. Yeah, we definitely proved that wrong this year. But um, the other side, you go to my neighbor on the other side, and he's telling you, you know, there's 15, 20 does. So communication with your neighbors, sometimes you have to take a grain of salt, and that's where the cameras come in. For sure, for sure. Um, I, I know myself, I like to sit out there and uh, see which does have fawns. Mm -hmm. uh, that's always a big thing for me. Uh, especially anybody out there that's listening that if you hunted, you know, even a year or two years, you're going to see it. Uh, big mature doe coming through, fawn, maybe two fawns with her. A lot of times you've got that scraggler doe in oh, the yeah. back. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's usually one of the ones you want to look at. Right. You know, why is she in the back? Why is she following? You know, is she not a breeder? Is she dry? Is yeah. she an old monarch? You definitely want to get them out of there if she's a blower. Yeah. You'll find that the older does too, I mean, Mike and I shot some pretty old does. I think he shot one that was almost nine years old one year. But, you know, they talk about a big Roman nose on a, on a buck who's like four years old, five years old, six years old. You'll notice the same on a doe. A big doe, big doe's got a super long nose, yeah. super long nose. And, you know, I don't really know the does here in Mike's area because Mike's in Central. We're actually at his place today again. Right? And Mike's in Central. Uh, Wisconsin here, maybe a little bit to the east, and the property that I'm talking about is way to the west. And uh, there is a little bit of a difference between the, the size of the animals at times. Mike's had some really big does up there. Yeah. Different country, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, well, so corn fed, and yeah, things like that. Different, 
different structure on there, but yeah, I mean, uh, and the does got a goal. They're, you know, does are great, don't get me wrong, but anybody who tells you, you know, big does are easy to kill, they haven't hunted very many big does. No, a big doe is just as hard to kill as a big buck. Probably harder at times is what I would say. Does are what I like to see for a little while, and then I want them to go away. So they're <laughs> I, ones that are going to pick you out of a tree yeah, every time. I really don't want them when there's a big buck around, though. <laughs> Not sure. at all. But to pick out, beside like like Mike was probably alluding to before we started here, is, is uh, talking about which does to shoot. You know, you're talking about that. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I want to say scraggle or whatever, but the one on the backside, like you said, where she doesn't, she doesn't have fawns. Um, you can tell either she's older, injured, or probably not even part of this doe group. So doe groups to me, uh, they have a monarchy just like anything else. And there's the, the dominant doe, mm -hmm. and, sure. and you'll see that too. And you'll see when we talk about our our properties a little bit later we talk and touch a little bit on it right now is our properties are set up to keep the doe group separated yeah that, that comes with your which, which we'll talk about at some point but uh food plot setup yeah. uh bedding structure yep um does pressure each other uh or deer in general pressure each other just like if kids in high school oh they, yeah they really need to be separated or, or they will go their own way yeah um, and if you can't keep does you're not going to get bucks i mean that's that's pretty exactly. common knowledge, but yeah, you know, trying to pick those right does, it's not a foolproof plan. It never is. Anybody tells you it is, is, is wrong. Well, <laughs> it, yeah. it takes time to, you know, sometimes you're not going to get the one you want, you know, right. but there's times that they just got to go anyway. Right. Um, like on my property, um, I'll tell you right now, and I, Mike knows it too, but I'll shoot a doe fawn before I'll shoot a two or three year old doe. And the reason for that is really a mouth is a mouth when we're talking about um, your property and food. So a doe fawn and a doe aren't going to eat that much different, but they're still eating the food. So your property has the ability to only hold so many deer throughout the year. Yeah. And in my view of it, I will take out a doe fawn before I'll take out what I would call a breeding doe or a good breeding doe. Right. Or I'll take out what I know to be an older class doe. Like the doe I shot this year. I mean, she was big. Yes. And then it goes back to pressure again. Deer pressure. Yeah, hundred percent. They will pressure each other off the property. Yeah, if your doe if your doe groups are stressed, then your bucks are going to be stressed. Yeah. And like like we said, we'll touch on that later about how we how we uh, lay out our food plots and stuff to keep doe stressed. And, and it can be as simple as running uh, ten rows of corn between two green fields. Yep. You know, or switch grass or anything like that. I try to, I'm, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have a little bit bigger piece. So what I mean by a big piece in Wisconsin is, big piece to me in Wisconsin is 100 acres. Yeah, I'd take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody yeah. wouldn't, but. Yeah. Uh, my piece is 72, but we've laid it out to where we can control the doe groups. The other part of controlling doe groups on your property is understand this. You only want a certain amount of summer food on your property for does. Okay, otherwise you're going to create uh, basically a place for does to accumulate and once you accumulate too many does you're not going to attract bucks no and that's a big thing that people that's a big misconception here in yeah. wisconsin you'll sure. hear a lot of the older guys talk about well you don't shoot does ever because they're the one that make the bucks yeah well that's true to, to a point. point yes to a point right like so. you know my property here you know we set up we had a lot of fall winter food mm -hmm. um i have really large uh, 
uh, deer numbers on this property now, and I only have a 40 acre uh, parcel that I hunt here, mm -hmm. and uh, but all my bucks are here. That's you true. Know, all the ones we let go through the year, they're all here. Uh, the doe numbers seem to be pretty good. Um, seeing what I see now, I'm going to want to take out a couple, I think, for sure next year, but I know that now going into next year. Right. You know, and you can start to see the ones that got to go. Oh, yeah. You know, and you'll, you'll see them, especially the more you sit in a stand. You know, Carl and I sit in stands, you know, way before hunt season. Oh, yeah. You know, scouting, filming, watching. Uh, it, you know, it sounds like a lot of work, but it is. It's, you know, you're not going to get your end result without putting in the work in the beginning of it. So it's, it, it takes a lot of time. That's a big thing, too, is, yeah. You have, right now, our cameras and us being out in the woods is telling us what we need to do for next yeah, year. Definitely. 100%. If you're not doing that, then I'll be honest with you, you're not educating yourself enough on your deer herd or your property or anything. Um, that being said, you know, I understand a lot of people are, you know, busy obviously this time of year but you need to make time for this if, it, if you're going to be really serious about it hence the name of the show the obsession um you know it's an it is an obsession it's 100 percent an obsession for sure if you're going to be a whitetail hunter or a deer hunter or anything and be successful at it you better be obsessed with it i mean you know we we said every time we hunt we critique what we're doing we oh, critique yeah. each other's property um i mean we said on different you know pieces of property with each other and said hey i think we got an idea for next year so it's got to change you can't you can't get stuck in a rut thinking oh this is my stand i, I killed it the buck out of this stand i'm gonna sit here every year well good, you know good luck it, it could happen but yeah. you know eventually it's not going to i actually killed my buck yeah. this year out of a stand i thought was basically a doe spot yeah right for sure I but, mean, but somebody said to me hey yeah, you should probably hunt right that up guy here was super smart that night yeah he was you know every once in a while but yeah right up to the point that where he had another big one yeah, yeah i know and then he was dumb again <laughs> Yeah, so. <laughs> and a moment of er, er. Yeah, a moment of dumbness <laughs> I had after that all those years it doesn't matter it still gets you but you know we haven't doubled ever done no, big deer one day we'll get that it's we, only 20 years yeah, dude it's you know we just got started right we'll, we'll but, get there right but uh yeah back to the doe thing you know okay so let's talk about why you shoot does uh for one reason i i i like to shoot my does early um, I, I'm a huge advocate of early, um, and I'm talking first couple weeks. Oh yeah, two weeks in September. Uh, I see see a lot of people shoot them late. I see it on TV shows. Mm -hmm. um, it, your does are bred late in the year, yep. um, so you're killing your you know your possible superstars coming up. It's true, and I mean you're shooting them before that. You ain't gotta worry about them being bred, you know, and yep. and you want your numbers in you know intact. For that late season for that rut that's when you want your numbers right you know and that's why i think the early season taking the does is more important because then you have that control you know what your controllability is. you're limiting to me you're limiting your variables right you start taking out those like you said that are already bred you could be taking out twins you could be taking out even triplets like on my place we've had some triplets um yeah. and and you think about carl the think about the bucks that you let go okay yeah so say you let a nice uh, year and a half, two and a half, mm -hmm. even three and a half year old ten pointer go. Okay, so that buck bred somebody. Oh yeah. So now you shoot a doe. Who uh, could be bred by yeah, during his priest during gun right? season or late, you know, late bow. Yeah. You might have just taken that genetic that you let go 
Oh, to breed. You know where I've seen that so, the most is actually on my brother-in-law's property, where we were, you know, we always used to shoot ten pointers yep. or whatever. That four G two genetic we yep. had out there, and now there's nothing. And now but it's gone. Eight. Yeah, nothing but eight pointers out there. I haven't seen a ten pointer on that property in three years, Mike. Yep. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to get that, you know. And I, I, I'm a, I'm a huge eight point shooter guy. I mean, I'll shoot every big eight pointer that's by me. But <laughs> I mean, you. You like to have that genetic, and oh, yeah. without the genetic, you know, it's hard to it's hard to get back in. Yeah, if you're a score person, for sure, obviously. Yeah. I don't know how many of you guys are. We're not huge on we scores, but uh, if you're a score person, that ten point frame, uh, two and a half year old on my property is probably pretty close to Pope and Young. Yeah, and out here, it's not far from being that right here either. Right, so Real close. So, you know, at three years old, you know they're a Pope and Young deer. Yeah, and I mean, in, in theory, it's what you want. Right. I mean, if, if, you know, if you're to the point where you can pass up Pope and Young Deer, awesome. You're, you're going the right way. I'm not there yet, Mike. Yeah, I've never been there. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I'd love to be there. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, there's a trigger in my head. There ain't a lot in there. There's a trigger in there. Yeah. You know, and I see something and it's go time. It's just going to happen. Yeah. You know, so well, I always told the camera guy, I'm like, you see me pick up yeah. my bolt, get that thing on, because something's going to happen. There's not many people I can film for them because they're not ready. Yeah. <laughs> I can do it. I always have that camera on. Yeah, it's always ready to go. But Yeah, so, you know, seriously, though, I mean, you get out now, this is the time. You know, it's cold. It's late December. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you're getting your property set up, you should have some deer hopefully staying oh, yeah. in there. Yeah. If you don't, you know, then you know what you got to do. And, and we got a situation where we got to put more food in. Oh yeah, you know, keep deer on your property. Yeah, my property you know? right now. Um, now it's a fairly large property. We added a lot of food this year. Yeah, and not near the year. Enough. So yeah, not near enough. So the first year I bought it, I put in what maybe two acres of food plots, yeah. right? And by early October, my deer had eaten all the food down there. Well, and last year too it was such early success for you. Right. That, yeah. I mean, you're done. You're right. out of there. You know, and, and we don't gun hunt. Right. So really, we're like, ah, got our deer out. Yeah, you know, and, but that that and doesn't help us. No, much, and then and in theory it hurt us. It did. You know, if I shoot it early, yeah, which you wouldn't think it does, but you kind of, well, I I did my work, I got my buck. Yeah, you know, you get kind of complacent, which kills you for the following year. Yeah, and the year yeah. after. Yeah, I don't like being complacent. That's like a that zero. Comment. Sucks. It does yeah. suck. <laughs> People suck. People yeah. do. <laughs> but we're sitting there, and so last year I added more prop or more food. So now I had actually added another two acres of food. And Mike came down this year, and uh, like he said, we critique each other's properties. We're not criticizing each other, just so you know. Criticizing and doing all that shit you see on Facebook and YouTube. <laughs> yeah, is, I don't. It's yeah. just bull. We're, we're looking to, I, I tell you, you're probably not going to meet ever. If you're lucky enough to meet us, I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> we're, we're pretty cool. I'm just going to laugh at That's something, right? You know, we, we like to see people succeed. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and if you're not at that point, you're just in it for the wrong reason. Because if you care what somebody else thinks about your deer, you're in trouble. Be tough times for you there. Yeah. I, mean, I, I I don't know, man. I, I've shot some really big deer. I've shot deer after that that weren't. Um, I don't don't put them out there much. Yeah. Um, just to be tell you the truth, I don't care what other people think. You That's know, I, I hunt for me and and what I want to do. And but to succeed, like Carl says, a lot of time. You know, do do what you got to do for yourself. Yeah, and succeeding, your definition of succeeding is your own deal, too. For sure. That's the other part of it. But, you know, back to the doe part of it. Um, right now, there are some antlerless deer on my property. So, the advantage I think I have over Mike, here's what it is. I don't have cell cameras on my property, so yeah. I'm not constantly getting the bing, they are bing, the, They are the devil. Bing. 
they're nice, but they're terrible at the same time. Yeah. You see everything constantly, and you can't not look. Oh yeah, it's just when we were going to North Dakota, it's like. Yeah. yeah, bing, 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 the camera's going Big up. bucks on the Stadler compound. Yeah, Another yeah. big bucket. Yeah. No, do, do, do. Fawn, trespasser. No, no, no trespasser. <laughs> but that part of it, too, you know, at, you know, trail cameras, cell cameras are a good tool also. Um, I have just regular cameras on my property because my property is down in the valley. Yeah, we can't get them to work. Yeah, they won't work there at all, so... Um, you know, it's kind of, I kind of like that part of it because it's still a surprise every time I pop the chip. It is. But then you're like, God, I should, yeah. damn it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I'll tell you, the cell cams are great though. I, I love them. Uh, I've had them for several years now. I've added some more to it. Mm -hmm. um, they don't show you everything. No. I mean, I, I, I've sat, because I can confirm it, I've sat in my stand, watched deer go fairly close to the cameras, um, didn't pick them up. So, I mean, they're not a, they're not a catch-all. No camera is. No. And the other part so. about cameras, too, is they do make noise, and everybody talks about scent-free and all that. Well, that's, I'm going to be honest with you, my opinion on that is BS. I call bullshit on that because we're throwing night, we're throwing uh, lead-acid batteries in it, which is a chemical reaction. And people talk about spraying your hands down, wearing rubber gloves, all that crap. It helps, but you I mean, don't put not, enough scent on that camera. Yeah. Maybe for the first 10 hours yeah. while it's out in the And that's gone. So, but what, what deer do notice, nine times out of ten, is a little block on the tree. Now, I've seen people, and I do it myself, get a bigger tree than the camera or whatever, and it pretty much hides them out or whatever, but sooner or later, they hear something if they're close to it. And I've watched those, you and I, you and I both seen it, where they're walking along, they stop, and they walk around the backside of the camera, and they go right back on the tree. So I'm not saying this happens all the time. I'm sure there'll be some statements about that, but it's true. So now when you watch me lay out cameras, most of it's on scrapes or food plots. They seem to be more tolerant on food plot. Yeah, food plots, they don't seem to bother them as much um, from what, you know, our experiences anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, random random cameras too are good. I, I, I like to throw a random camera yeah. somewhere where there's probably never been one. You know, sometimes you pick up nothing. Yep. Sometimes all of a sudden you find, uh, hey, I think I might need to put a stand in this tree. Yeah. You know, because you pick up another travel corridor, which is a good thing too. And and uh, I think you'll agree too. Now, you know, talking about this doe harvesting, going back to this late season, how it is now, you can really kind of get a pattern of where these deer are traveling. Yeah. You know, it's a little easier to see now with everything down and. Well, it's for sure. You'll definitely see that um, when you're in a tree now this time of year, you'll actually pick up on the doe patterns even more. And, realize they're going to use the same patterns next year in the summertime where you can't see them but that's where they're going to come yeah for sure and you know we do have some stands that are specifically set for just taking out antlerless deer and the reason for that now you're going to get bucks traveling through there too and we know that more during the rut and they'll probably just be 10 15 yards off one side or the other of that main trail because they're going to be sent yeah, they, they don't like to be out in an open space that's another thing you'll notice too is uh, yeah. does will come right through the middle of yeah well, they don't care <laughs> yeah they don't care They're a lot noisier just blow in but you, you got to remember too i think a lot of people know carl that uh you know usually the does are the ones that are betting your property 90 percent of the time yep. and the bucks may be betting close that's you true know, they're not always living there yeah um so you know you i guess i would say you know, should what, say in the same spots right 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 when you got food so my property or even Mike's property with the way they're laid out. You've got your food, and then I'd say within 50 to 150 yards, 
probably 50 to 100 yards is where the does and fawns are. Yeah, they're, they're going to go far. And then from that 100 yard to 200 yards is probably where I would say you get like year and a half old buck, two and a half year old buck land. They kind of want to separate themselves. And a big mature whitetail, the majority of the ones that we've found are pretty much loners. I'm not going to lie about yeah. that. And they're going to be off someplace on their own. And finding that little honey hole, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not one. Now Mike and I differ here. I am not one to bomb in on a buck's bedding area, where <laughs> Mike here will just hang it right over the top of his bed. It'd be like I'm hunting there in the I'm, morning. I'm a little more aggressive. A little bit more aggressive. Next time there, and you know what? Both ways pay off. Yeah. And both ways get you. That's true. I mean, it's, <laughs> oh yeah. It's it's all preference there, but that's you know that works good with us too. We do that stuff and. Uh, We'll you know, each other it's one. paid off. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, doe, doe management is is uh, probably the most crucial thing to shooting a big buck. I mean, you know, granted, you're going to get everybody that's going to go out there once or twice and all of a sudden they're going to shoot a giant yeah, and, yeah. and not do anything. But, you know, to consistently put bucks on the ground year after year, um, you know, and, you know, Carl and I have been lucky and good enough. To do that so it, it's hard to do and it's not saying we're better than anybody else or no. we're a better shot or better this or better that but it's a lot of time a lot of you know what we're talking about here and in all our podcasts is is trying to succeed and your level of success depends on what you want to put into it and, yeah and don't management's probably got to be one of the top things that a lot of people don't want to do yeah i mean if you guys have questions don't hesitate to put them here uh, in the comments on here on our YouTube channel or whatever, you can email me at Rush Outdoors Wisconsin. To, um, yeah. Either can, way, none of you can criticize us as much as we criticize each other either. Oh so yeah, we're far more critical on each other yeah. than <laughs> you guys can ever be on us. But those, those in general, I'm going to say they are a creature hat. Yes. A doe to me, and I'm not going to say a doe is a doe, but nine times out of ten they are. Once they reach the age of four, five, and six, they actually. They feed the same as a regular doe, but they're far more observant. Yeah, they, and, and, and really, you got to get those does gone. Yeah, I like yeah. to let my does get to maybe four yeah. at the most, and then have enough age group-wise mm -hmm. that that just continues. Yes. You know, and then if I have to take out does on the property mouth-wise, I'll take out our doe fawn. Yeah. And don't, here's the other part of it, okay? So if a doe has a fawn, just so you know, early season, that by the time that doe, is, you know, or that fawn is that age where bull season rolls around, you can shoot that doe and know that that fawn is probably going to survive here in southern Wisconsin. Where it's up higher, say it's central, or where you have tougher tougher winters, northern Wisconsin, uh, southern Michigan, Minnesota, mid-central Minnesota, stuff like that. Um, that's a different story. I probably wouldn't shoot a doe with a fawn right. then. But if you can single out an individual doe that doesn't have fawns, yeah, it's your best one to take. Yeah, it's your best one to take. Yeah. So, it, it, like I said, it varies on the, each property. Some of you may have three, four hundred acres where you got a doe problem, or doe factory is what I've heard yeah. people refer to it as, and uh, and that makes sense. Um, but if you have something like that and you have to take that number out and you have the tags to do it, you know, do it. Yeah. If if not, you know, I want to. You know, everybody talks 50-50 ratio. I'm not really a 50-50 guy. I'm like, if you've got four does to every buck, let's just say 25%, I think that's probably a pretty good ratio. That's not bad. No. 
But here's the other thing too, understanding with the small properties that Mike and I are talking about, even up to 200, maybe even 300 acres, those, mm -hmm. those deer aren't staying on your property. No. Uh, Buck-wise. Uh, Doe-wise, you're probably gonna get them home bodies. I mean, you've got home bodies here on yes. 40. Yeah. And now. Now. But yeah, which which we'll get into on you know several you know podcasts on the road. But it's you know trying to design that to to maintain those deer. It's uh, you know passing them up, hoping they're going to come back, creating a structure for them to be there. Again, right. goes back to your doe management. Right. You know. Um, but and and you know where we started with all this is early. Early. And, you know we both agree we like to take them out early. Yeah, hundred percent. Take your does out to me the first two weeks. Yeah, of I, I mean I'm not shooting a doe during the rut. No, you know, I mean, now get, don't get me wrong. If a doe comes through, a doe's injured, you know, yeah. obviously something like that, you know, or got tore by a coyote, which we see a lot of that here yeah. in Wisconsin. I mean, obviously, yes, you got to take a deer out, but right. you know, otherwise, you know, we're shooting does early. Um, that's we we make a pretty hard stand on that part of it. I think pretty much one hundred percent. This I took a doe this year was in October, and that's the latest I've ever yeah, shot. That's the latest I ever remember you shooting. Yeah, but I had a my buck tag was gone. Yep. And a girl at work wanted me. Yeah. So. And you got it's hard to not be in a stand in October. Well, that's a fact. That's the night. That that was after you shot your buck, wasn't it? That's the night Cody yeah. shot you. Yes. Yes. So. Yep. Well, I'll tell you, uh, basically, like Mike said, basic, you know, our, our view on this, you shoot your does early. Always, I shoot them the first two, three weeks of bow season, and that's done out of the way. It helps control your herd. It takes away the variable of shooting next year's or the future's bucks. Uh, that's just our view on it, and that's kind of where we stand on it. So sure. it's about the end of the cat podcast for that. It is. Your questions, comments, feel free to let us know. And we appreciate all your guys' comments. So. I want you guys to ask any of the questions that will help us bring in the future podcasts and the, any questions or anything you guys have because we've uh, probably got an opinion on it. Yeah, yeah. remember at the end of the day, you know, we're never going to say we're experts on anything, but, you know, we're going to tell you what we do and what works for us and, and uh, you know, continue success yeah. that yeah. We've, we've been lucky enough to do every year. So that's where, that's where our opinions and views come from yep. is the field. So thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for watching it on YouTube. Appreciate all you guys' support. Uh, tune in next week when we bring you the next podcast and show of the